Hello, and welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo, and I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. You can find all of my written reviews, reviews that I've done since 1996, at my website, Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Speaking of since 1996, it's fitting that I'm going to be reviewing a film series that started out around the same time that I started my website, the Mission Impossible series, now with its fifth film with Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. It is a PG-13 release for sequences of action and violence and brief partial nudity. I don't even remember that, but... um, uh, one hour and, or t- excuse me, two hours and eleven minutes is the runtime, and it stars, of course, Tom Cruise, and it features the, uh, for many people, the first film that they'll see with a Swedish actress Rebecca Ferguson, who is quite a quite a revelation in this film, I will say. Uh, it also returns uh, supporting actors Simon Pegg, Jeremy Renner, and Ving Rhames, and brings in as its heavy Sean Harris, and introduces to the series Alec Baldwin as this head of the CIA, and also features a supporting role for Simon McBurney. The director and the screenwriter for this film is Christopher McQuarrie. So, if you see the trailer, you will see that the seemingly ageless Tom Cruise, he continues to escalate to even higher levels of high-octane action thrills with this fifth entry in that Mission Impossible franchise. Rogue Nation really is a successful film on most counts. Despite being 53 years old, Cruz continues to push himself to the physical limit in his films, including, and if you've seen the trailer or the advertisements for this film you'll have seen, this death-defying stunt to open the film in which he attaches himself to an airplane as it's taking off from the runway. Uh, I've heard, I heard that he actually did that stunt eight times to make sure he got the right look for this, which, and if you see this stunt, it, it looks crazy. I mean, I, you really have to put all fear aside in order to, I mean, even if you're not afraid of heights, this is a, this is a stunt that I, I can't imagine was too pleasurable to do even one time, much less eight times. It's, so it does look amazing and it does really kick things off with a bang for the film. And it certainly, you know, captures, uh, more excitement than a purely CGI simulation could ever do. So I, I think that that, that in, initial adrenaline burst that you get at the film factors in for, for all of the action sequences that follow because even though there is some CGI in the film and there's obviously some stunt doubles and there's other things, we're never quite sure what's real, what's being tinkered with, and whether Tom Cruise or any of these supporting actors really put their bodies on the line to secure the best possible shot or to deliver excitement. And so therefore, we give them the benefit of the doubt. because And, and so whenever there's an action sequence, you are enthralled by it because you think, wow, I wonder if somebody really did that. So as far as the plot goes, in this movie, Ethan Hunt has to go it on his own as the IMF, or the Impossible Mission Force, for all intents and purposes is shut down by the CIA head Alan Hunley, who is played here by Alec Baldwin, because of a lack of results on their latest mission, plus some mishaps, such as the Kremlin getting destroyed from their previous mission, if you've seen uh, the previous 
uh, Mission Impossible film Ghost Protocol that you'll recognize that one. Ethan really wants to take down the shadowy international terrorism syndicate leader Solomon Lane and who has been orchestrating a series of seemingly unrelated catastrophes for a higher purpose that we don't really fully find out until later on in the plot developments. So for reasons he can't make out, Solomon Lane has in uh, an operative in his employ, Ilsa Faust, who is as deadly as she is alluring, and she ends up helping Ethan while also committing some heinous acts, so potentially a double agent in the midst here. Uh, Ethan really has a hard time trying to figure out, is she good or is she bad? And it's one of those things that uh, that really becomes kind of the theme of the film, which is these uh, operatives that are in the espionage industry have been so far removed from what the mission is that it becomes kind of difficult to tell whether people are doing good uh, or doing bad. It, it inevitably, and you know, as I mentioned, the, the theme of the film means uh, Ethan kind of does right for him and his friends and what he believes is right, but it's hard to know what is right and what's wrong anymore when all of these agencies seem to have their own uh, uh, agendas that uh, don't seem to be uh, for a good purpose, and yet uh, the heads of these organizations seem to be striving for a higher purpose, willing to commit acts that are uh, most people would find to be reprehensible in order to achieve some ultimate end goal. And so that comes into play very heavily as we find out what's going on in the actual film. So the Mission Impossible series has started off with three films in which the individual directors left their own unique imprint, almost wholly separate from each other. So the first film, you had Brian De Palma offering his take with the 1996 Mission Impossible. After that, uh, about four years later, John Woo came on board and made it a, made this Mission Impossible 2 a typical John Woo flick. And then, uh, several years later, J.J. Abrams offered his own signature services to punch up Mission Impossible 3. And a lot of people recognize a lot of uh, alias within the course of that film. However, the last two movies, Brad Bird's Ghost Protocol and here Christopher McQuarrie's Rogue Nation, I think things are starting to solidify in the series. It starts to have its own defined look and its feel. One can see... Uh, that the future entries will probably play in this more uh, congealed form that they've they've done in these last two movies, independent of the, the whatever director they attach to them, and that's kind of in keeping with the James Bond series because that's really done that for decades. Most James Bond films, at least until of late, have had uh, different directors. Uh, so, sometimes directors will have a stretch of two or three films in which they direct. Um, but generally speaking, there's a lot of uh, flux in terms of the actual creators. But yet, uh, all of the films have certain staples that they that they have to adhere to um, and formulas that they have to adhere to. And I think that um, really with these last two movies, I think we're seeing what that formula is for the Mission Impossible series. As long as Cruise continues to want to do them, I think we're going to see... Uh, this mold and this this cast of of characters that are going to be returning. McQuarrie has directed Cruise 
before to middling success with Jack Reacher. I, I like Jack Reacher, but it's you know it's not nothing to be excited about. Generally, haven't really wanted to revisit it. Um, but he's also worked with Cruz even further in the past because he uh, co-wrote the screenplays for the. Cruise starring vehicles such as Valkyrie and Edge of Tomorrow. And those of you who recognize that name, Christopher McQuarrie, probably do so because he is also the Oscar winning screenwriter for the 1995. Uh, I guess it's a classic among, for many. I like us- the usual suspects, which is what I'm talking about here, but I don't, I'm not as crazy about it as some people seem to be. But uh, I will admit, it's, it is it is a good screenplay. Rogue Nation continues to solidify the team aspect of Mission Impossible, kind of returning it back to its roots somewhat in terms of the Mission Impossible television series. Obviously, a lot of Mission Impossible TV series uh, fans have been kind of uh, disappointed with the way that the... Uh, the film series has gone because it seems to be more of a copycat of certain aspects of other espionage films, including James Bond and and uh, and the uh, the Bourne series and things like that. Uh, even uh, some f- elements of the Fast and Furious series seem to have creeped in here as well in terms of its uh, its uh, road stunts and things like that. But uh, it's good to see that they're actually trying to do a little bit more of a team effort and to try to mix and match uh, different characters for different adventures. Um, and also people who enjoy the original television series will like the fact that they're bringing in The Syndicate, which was a main nemesis in the original television s- show as well. So we have the return here of the loyal Ving Rames, and we have the more comic relief sidekick in Simon Pegg. And kind of the lesser, like, like kind of the beta to Cruz's alpha uh, agent in the conflict resolver, Jeremy Renner. And it also introduces a couple of new characters to the mix that could be in future entries, potentially. One of them, the Swedish actress Rebecca Ferguson, who plays Ilsa Faust. I think she's a real find for this series. And the actress really, um, she brings so much to this role that... It's really, it, I think that the the biggest surprise of the film is how good she really is for this film. Uh, she's a perfect blend of being attractive enough to make for a good match for uh, to, for Tom Cruise, and also matches up with him very well in terms of her physical presence, her physicality. Uh, and she looks like she could really pack a solid punch the way that they frame her here, and she also has uh, this real class and a good deal of intelligence. That really makes her enigmatic character um, really intriguing. You really, every time you see her, you want to know more. What's going on under the hood, so to speak? There's few, if any, who are going to see Rogue Nation to see Rebecca Ferguson, um, but I think that few, if any, viewers will walk out of the theater not hoping that they, they can also see more of her in the future. So a real uh, potentially star-making turn here. That crew. Cruz and Ferguson do actually generate good screen chemistry is also a major asset to Rogue Nation because if you have followed Cruz's career, you know that on-screen sparks, romantic sparks, are something that has kind of eluded Tom Cruise more often than not in his film career. One thing I also enjoyed is that there's a decidedly Hitchcock meets film noir vibe to the screenplay of Rogue Nation. It I think it serves it very well, not only in terms of bringing a good deal of homage for film fans like me, but also that that bit of class that I mentioned that Rebecca Ferguson also brings. 
Her name, Ilsa Faust. Ilsa will probably conjure up memories of Casablanca for the uh, in the minds of those who love that classic film. But also, given that part of the movie is actually set in Casablanca, Morocco, I think that there's no doubt that this is really the vibe that McQuarrie is striving for here. There's a whole big sequence in the movie, the sniper in the opera house that's set in the Vienna Opera. It's really kind of a callback to Alfred Hitchcock's 1956 version of The Man Who Knew Too Much, which coincidentally also was set in Morocco. And it, that sequence is also uh, uh, gets it right down to timing the actual shot that the sniper's going to, uh, in which the sniper is going to actually take the shot for a specific moment in the orchestral composition in the concert to mask the sound of the gunshot. So, and those of you who have followed the Mission Impossible series probably will know that you know, homage to o- older films is certainly not uh, something that is uh, alien to the film. In fact, Hitchcock himself, if you follow, if you actually watched Mission Impossible Two and also watched Hitchcock's Notorious. Uh, another film that also features, like Casablanca, Ingrid Bergman, you will know that the plot of Notorious is, features very well into the plot of Mission Impossible 2, uh, to the point where it obviously was just lifting it. As good as the, uh, the cast is here, I think that what you as the, uh, the, the viewer will ultimately come away with remembering Rogue Nation for are these action set pieces that are incredible, including that intro where Tom Cruise is attached to a cargo plane while it takes off. There's, uh, there is that assassination attempt in the Vienna Opera is another show-stopping sequence that is really full of suspense and intrigue. It really, I think, delivers something that you don't find very much in James Bond films anymore, which are really trying to push for blow-your-socks-off action sequences nowadays. But but this really, I think it's great that an action vehicle like this will actually take the time to actually have a suspense thrill se- thriller sequence like this, um, which bodes really well for the Mission Impossible series, where it, it has a kind of loose flexibility that I enjoy, even though it's solidifying more into its own formula. Um, I like the fact that it can go different places in different ways. And, and James Bond at its best could do this, but it, it's been a while. You know, it, it, James Bond has really be, become more defined under the, uh, the, this current era. Um, it, it's also interesting to see that there's not this really clear cut good or bad sides, um, for the movie. And even people who think they're, do, they're doing good end up having to do bad in order to have this ultimate good. So even even Ilsa Faust's character, who seems to be trying to do good, is doing bad things because there is this, uh, you know, sometimes you have to uh, do a little bit of evil in order to hopefully uh, beat the actual evil people at their own game. There's also this exciting motorcycle chase in Morocco that I think that gives anything in the Fast and Furious franchise a run for its money. It's really well done. Um, the movie is a bit long, and it, it but you know it, it's it's taken for what it is. I think that it's hard to not feel like you've come away satisfied that they delivered goods in a very big way here. Cruz's faith in McQuarrie over the years. I think that if people had questioned it, I think that you're going to get a lot of proof that. His faith has merit with the way that uh, 
that Mission Impossible Rogue Nation plays out. They had originally tried to get Brad Bird to come back, but uh, he decided to do Tomorrowland instead, and Cruz, being loyal to McQuarrie, decided to give him a shot. It really... He is a talented guy, I have to admit. This is an exciting and funny and smart and as thrilling an entry in the in the admittedly derivative series as there has been. Um, if he wanted to do another one of these films, I would be okay with that. I mean, I, I think he really delivered uh, an interesting, twisty screenplay. Uh, it's occasionally occasionally silly in its delivery. And does, you know, that silliness does sometimes go against the grain of the seriousness that it tries to hold at other times. And, you know, that movie, because it's long, it, it does kind of get creaky in execution as it plays out. There's one uh, really long sequence in which uh, Ethan has to infiltrate a massive uh, underwater vault. It seems completely purposeless, the amount of expense that they've gone through in order to hide the MacGuffin of this uh, USB drive that contains all of this information that they're tr- that they're seeking. Uh, it's a bit lengthy for the the amount of payoff that it delivers, and it's the one sequence that really looks fake at times. There's a CGI component to it that I think that uh, it's the one time you're in the film where you, it actually feels like a, a fake movie. But you know. <laughs> I like the attempt here to to deliver something really interesting right in the middle of the film, even if it doesn't hold as good a uh, an excitement level as some of the rest of the scenes. But I don't think that that should take away from the sheer enjoyment factor of this movie when it shifts into high gear for some truly death-defying action moments, many of which do feature real practical stunts. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation is... It's a Hollywood product through and through. And, you know, it's a tentpole release built to generate money for its star producers as well as the studios. But it's also one of those spectacular commercial endeavors that is obviously made by people that deeply care about customer satisfaction. So I'm going to recommend quite highly Mission Impossible Rogue Nation for not only series fans, but you know, it, it can work as a standalone film. If you have not seen the previous Mission Impossible films, you can jump right into this film here and enjoy it thoroughly and come away pretty excited. You might even go back and watch those other films and, and be interested in seeing how it all plays out. You know, there are a few mentions to each one of the previous films, little, uh, Easter eggs of sorts. But I think that uh, it it doesn't matter, even if you don't remember those films. And honestly, these Mission Impossible films are kind of like the James Bond films in which you remember certain key moments, but you don't really remember the plot or the characters or their motivations. That's why I think a lot of people watch them. It's a, there's a rewatchability factor because ultimately you don't care about the plot. You just re- like these these situations and these great action moments and those moments of humor there it's it's kind of a delightful piffle if i can use that expression so i'm going to give mission impossible rogue nation three and a half stars i think it's uh probably one of the best if not the best action film that i've seen during this summer and um so i i really recommend this very highly for action adventure fans So I hope that you enjoyed the review, and if you haven't already done so, I do encourage you to, if you want to hear more of my film reviews, not only visit my 
my uh, page in terms of uh, getting those older reviews, but also click the subscribe button and, and continue to get the new reviews. I've heard that uh, iTunes actually is is limiting um, the amount of podcast episodes to 20. I think they may have expanded it to 50 now. So you can't, you know, now that I've crossed the threshold of having over 50 podcasts, some of my early episodes are, are, are becoming uh, impossible to get on iTunes unless you click the subscribe button, in which case, in which case you'll get up to a hundred. And, um, I really, if you have uh, an iPhone or an iPad, I really encourage you to use the podcasts app that comes, uh, bundled with the apps that you get with the, uh, the, uh, iOS, um, because uh, that's I, I. It's the one that I use. It's it's a great app. You can get all of the previous episodes, and it really does a good job in keeping track of when I release a new one. Uh, in fact, if you have the podcast app, it, I when I post the actual podcast, it it almost certainly um, as soon as my RSS feed picks it up, it it is instantly available on that. Uh, whereas if you are looking on iTunes, sometimes it, it can take a day for it to finally post on, uh, the, in the iTunes store for download. So I firmly encourage you to use that app if you haven't already. You can find all of the information as far as where to find me. I have Twitter. I have, uh, a Facebook page. And also, uh, you can write to me at my, at quipster at gmail.com if you have anything you want to say. You can find all of the information at my website, quipster dot net q w i p s t e r dot net so anyway until next time i'm going to be um scaling back a little bit for the next i i i've, I've kind of got my fill of action uh and big tentpole summer releases for a while next week uh in a few days i'm going to be watching the new fantastic four movie and as a lifelong fantastic four fan i'm probably going to have a lot to say about that so i'm going to kind of lay low with some more independent releases that are on demand right now for the next two or three maybe uh reviews but then we're going to come back strong with some fantastic four for you so click the subscribe button and you continue to get those here if you happen to be on itunes and uh and like the show i fully encourage you to leave me a review because each one of those five star reviews that i've been given so far has really increased the amount of exposure i've gotten i've, I've seen a, a genuine uptick anytime somebody gives me a five star review in terms of how many subscribers i do end up having so um you know like i said i don't ask for money or gifts or anything other than you to leave me a review and let me know what you think so and if you have any uh comments or suggestions feel free to write me quipster at gmail.com so until next time thank you everyone for listening and please enjoy your time at the movies and if you end up seeing mission impossible rogue nation my bet is you probably will 